dispelled as the bundles of dynamite exploded one after the other, shaking the banking houses to their bones, rattling their windows and blowing the gates to smithereens. Out in the street, the loitering group of working men who'd been keeping both themselves and passers-by away from the gates began yelling too as they heard the warning shouts from the other side, running as far out of the way as they could. As soon as the explosion was over, however, they ran back to the rubble and the blooming cloud of dust and powdered stone and began to clear the wreckage from the gateway and the road. The drivers of the two remaining lorries jumped out of their cabs and hauled off their own tarpaulins. Yet more men burst forth with yet more dynamite and a veritable uprising of revolvers. These men ran for the bank doors, while the drivers jumped back into their cabins and began to manoeuvre back and forth in the courtyard, turning their lorries to face the other way. While more dynamite was placed against the bank's outer doors, frantic telephone calls were made to Bishopsgate and Snow Hill constabularies, until another explosion, thankfully smaller than the first, saw the doors removed and the men from the lorries spread through the bank itself waving their revolvers, shooing and herding the clerks and secretaries away to where a handful of the robbers could keep watch over them all while the rest descended to the vaults. Meanwhile, the men from the street now used a winch from the third lorry to drag the last remains of the gate out of the ruined entrance. When they were done with that, two of the lorries drove back out onto Threadneedle Street, one each way, blocking it and those men not already about some mischief inside the bank, now went out to wait. Most carried coshes and billy-sticks, some of the previous crowd, their curiosity vastly invigorated by this sudden outbreak of shouting and unexpected explosions, slunk back to find barricades now being formed outside the Bank of England, that bastion of the empire, while their ears were lashed with anarchist and Bolshevik slogans of a sort last heard during the general strike two years ago, all power to the working man and such like. Most quickly hurried away again, knowing the start of a riot when they saw one. Others, for the same reasons, quietly gathered pockets full of stones. Beneath the bank, buried deep under the city of London, were the bullion vaults where His Majesty kept the Empire's reserves of gold. The doors to those vaults were so massive that any effort to dynamite them open would more likely result in the entire bank above collapsing. Despite their coarse invective, the anarchists now ravaging the bank's halls and offices seemed not only aware of this, but also to know exactly where to go to find the lesser vaults, where more fragile and more portable materials, less precious than gold perhaps, but nonetheless valuable, might be found. They dragged in their wake several of the bowler-hatted clerks to direct and aid them. Among these was a gentleman who, when they demanded his name, nervously answered that it was Crabbleston. The other clerks, too distracted by their own predicament and the sheer number of revolvers waving in their faces, barely noticed, although later, when they would come to talk excitedly among themselves of the events of the day, it would slowly dawn on them that no one could say they actually knew this Mr. Crabbleston. 
but they had understandably little opportunity to consider the matter at the time. The anarchists set their explosives by their chosen vaults and chased everyone running pell-mell away, and after the deafening ring of each retort and the dazed reeling that followed, and then the dust and the smoke and the chaos of shouting and fleeing men, none of the clerks had any thoughts left to spare for Mr. Crabbleston just then. Outside, in Threadneedle Street, the first wagon of policemen from Bishopsgate arrived at the corner of Bartholomew Lane at a cautious remove from the barricade. They filled the street with shouted noise and blowing whistles and waving truncheons. In reply, they found themselves pelted with stones and other missiles from the recently disassembled bank gates. Discretion being the better part of valour, and faced not by a gang of armed robbers...